Welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. Listen, you know this team is massive when Chelsea Football Club are deciding to try and sneak out their bad news whilst we're all watching them play Villa on a Sunday night. And if an inability to score against Aston Villa is what put the final nail in Graham Potter's coffin, Chelsea women have no such problem beating Villa 3-0 in what was supposed to be a tricky away match. I am joined tonight in uh, for the English side of Blue Royalty today, Blue Royalty After Dark. So therefore I had to bring on Ollie Glanville. Ollie, how are you doing? Yeah, another quiet day in Chelseaville. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, not so after dark uh, where that chuckle came from. Nick Fellaini, how's it going? Hello, good to be back. And uh, and yeah, uh, I'm drinking out of my Keep Calm and Follow Chelsea mug. Um, and pointedly wearing my Queen's Meadow shirt, which is uh, exactly what we should be talking about. A team that uh, performs well, that even performs well after a grueling Champions League semifinal win, which uh, honestly was a delight to hear you uh, yell and scream about uh, this week, <laughs> Jesse. And uh, and yeah, I, I, I still think, you know, whatever happens on the men's side, which is a complete and utter shit show, that uh, the best manager at Chelsea is Emma Hayes, period. Yeah, and also a good point, you know, some teams have two kind of batshit uh, football teams. I, I may be looking at Tottenham Hotspur uh, <laughs> while I, I, I say that. Um, so at least we've got one that's good. Uh, and on that T-shirt, I wore that T-shirt to the Leon game. So I think there's a, a lot of luck going on in that Queen's Meadow T-shirt. But let's kick off with a three-word match review from tonight's game. Um, I, I'll go first, guys. I'm going with late-season Chelsea. Because for me tonight... Was, I was wondering when we were going to see it. I'm hoping from here on out, this is what we're going to see. But there comes a point with Emma Hayes' sides. There is a point in the year. Maybe it's the changing of the clocks, you know, when suddenly they start to just roll on through. And this was a game I think people were rightfully worried about. Villa have looked great this season. They've caused... I want to say lots of teams. It's mainly Manchester City, but they have caused teams problems, good teams problems. Um, and, you know, we we really didn't make it look like a problem. Uh, Ollie, I'll come to you next. What What's your three-hour match review from tonight? Uh, mine was uh, Winning Makes Miracles, which if anyone remembers Jose Mourinho's quote from 0506, he was asked about how uh, his teams deal with fatigue. And he was like, look, you want to be in every competition to win it in a very... Emma Hayesism sort of way. And uh, yeah, any kind of big win is an incentive to win bigger and better games going forward. So I was never kind of that scared about today. I felt like Leon was a huge boost for so many players and even ones that came off the bench like Jesse Fleming. And I think that we saw that today and just how well and composed we were uh, just throughout really. Yeah, I'm yeah. just on the fly changing mine right now, right now doing it. <laughs> I can it. see it in the dock. Yeah. <laughs> I was like ready to come to you and I was like, wait, the guy is like... <laughs> I've actually been through like three or four of them in my head, but I'm going strength and depth. Uh, there, There is a fair amount of depth in the Chelsea team. And I would argue that for all of the uh, hullabaloo around every other team's injuries uh, in, in the WSL or around Europe that Chelsea have faced equal, if not worse, injury crises this year and are still doing this and are, you know, I think had a very comfortable day out. Um, you know, we were kind of laughing before this pod, like 
maybe one of our better performances of the season. So strength and depth. Yeah, I've got a, a shout out Julie Flatty, who was doing the comms on Sky in, in England, who made a, a very pointed uh, comment about having how Chelsea have had lots of injuries, which I felt like maybe was uh, my influence hmm. from moaning about it to her <laughs> constantly and how we never get any credit for how we've played since. Uh, but yes, we are talking about the game against Aston Villa took place tonight for us, Sunday the 2nd of April, in the WSL at that Poundland Bescott Stadium. An iconic stadium with a terrible, terrible pitch. Uh, but we didn't make it look so terrible. 3-0 win. Goals from Yelena Chankovic in the 22nd minute. Gura Wright in the 43rd. Sam Kerr in the 56th minute. Nick, this was a bit of a rotatoroo. Don't know if that's a word, making it a thing. Sure. Uh Made sense, really, from from the Lyon game. I think a couple of enforced changes, a couple of just opportunity to give other players minutes tonight. Yeah, I, you would have anticipated, because Emma has been around the block before, that she would have kind of pre-made these lineups a little bit, right? Like, the, you know, you're going to throw your best at Lyon, see what happens, and then in that league game after, it's just not realistic to expect the same team to go out there two and a half days later and play a full 90 minutes again. I think that's ridiculous, especially after the the extra time. So, yeah, even a limited bench today. I think this is kind of indicative of where the team are recovery-wise. And so, of course, uh, you had a little bit of change-up in, in goalkeeping, and I think that makes sense just give, given the heroics exhaustion of Ann and Berger uh, midweek. But Zajira Musevich back in between the sticks. Jess Carter over to right back. New Charles left back. Mia, or Mia Erickson. God, Mia is going to kill me this year because she's been on the show. Magda Erickson, Kadisha Buchanan as your back line. Fleming Engel midfield, uh, which is no Aaron Cuthbert giving her a little bit of a break. Um, and then, look, Kanarid, Chankovic, Wrighton, Kerr. That's good enough to score goals on any day with any team. So it's a very, very deep attack. Bench, uh, there are only six options, including AKB, Abdelina, Cuthbert, Mielda, Paraset and Lauren James. Uh, Paraset and Abdelina were the only two subs used. So I think, uh, Ollie, this kind of tells you that we were kind of playing with the deck that we uh, that we had available to us of so the cards in our hand. Yeah, definitely. And, they, you know, there were some expected changes, but there were also some quite pointed changes because Emma's challenged um, JRK and Chankovic when she started them both together. And I feel like we can see that burgeoning partnership there. Um, there's clearly like a bit of chemistry they they have from from the off, like when they started off, even in, you know when they first came in towards the beginning of the season. And yeah, I think we saw it again today. You, you can see that they kind of have that telepathic link up down the right, and also think that we're seeing the partnership of Buchanan and Carter really coming to the fore as well as a kind of strong defensive option there. Um, and after the first kind of 15 minutes, I think Neve really stepped up down the left as well against Lehman. Um, and she put in a really solid performance. There were so many really pleasing signs. And as you pointed out, with the absence of, you know, Millie is a huge absence. Erin mm-hmm. uh, not playing in the centre of midfield. You're going away to like one of the form sides uh, outside the top four in the WSL. And yeah, like there was a lot of kind of warning signs there, but from the performance we put in, you could see that, 
you know, they were kind of on it from the off there. Yeah, and just a little update, I guess, on, on Millie Bright's injury while we're touching on that. Tom Gary saying that Emma Hayes said, Millie seeing a specialist tomorrow will probably know more from the outcome of that appointment. So That does not sound does good. That does not sound good, right? Uh, <laughs> but hey, you know, after this performance, maybe we don't need to worry. Um, I think if we look at the stats, this feels like a very trad Chelsea performance, Nick. Not much possession, just 43% to Villa's 57%, but seven shots on target and most in the WSL this season. XG of 1.82 to Villa's 0.96. So they definitely had their chances. Um, but I guess the I maybe maybe the key thing that the stats won't reflect is how much Villa maybe played into Chelsea's hands in this game. For sure. I mean, a lot of that 57% was playing pinball in midfield uh, with very little threat in our in our final third. They, they did advance the ball a few times and, you know, maybe we're unlucky uh, once or twice. But, uh, you know, I think that Chelsea kind of let them have the ball up to a point and then would take it away from them and then would play on the counter extremely well. And that's just, again, if you're going to take a team with this much athleticism, especially with... Uh, JRK on the right, who I think actually had a pretty pretty good game. Um, you, you're you're just gonna concede goals, and it's not a shock that Chelsea had a high shot volume either. It looked like they were going from the kill straight out of the gate. Um, so I, I don't know, Ollie. I was I was very pleased with the approach after this game. This is not one. This is not a team that you want to just kind of leave it late against because they do have firepower. Yeah, I mean, speaking before the game and. Um, I think the key was the first goal, right, in, in a game like this. And we were worried sort of coming into the game about the kind of intensity and, and going into it. Um, but it was it was so obvious from the off that we were pressing from the front and we were making sure that they couldn't find that Dali daily partnership down the left, making sure that, you know, that there wasn't those options in midfield that Villa really rely on, especially those two, and just sort of shutting off all those passing lanes, forcing turnovers and making it so that we were the aggressor almost all the time, even with less possession. Though I do think in the second half, us kind of sitting off a bit encouraged that kind of greater uh, possession. I think it's more like 50-50 until about 60 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think one of those game state things, you definitely got the feeling that Chelsea wanted to come out, get those goals early, which they did, and then they were happy to uh, sit back and let whatever happened, happened. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break here. Thanks to our sponsors for supporting the show. Uh, When we come back, we'll get a bit more into how the game played out. Ollie, I know you were super, super excited to see this kind of fleming Chankovic canarid midfield thing we had going on. And I think when we were talking before the break about that intensity, those turnovers, it was those three players who, who really stood out, right, in terms of uh, how Chelsea were able to, to force Villa into mistakes. I think it's fair to say, you know, we, we can talk about Villa giving the ball away, but... Um, there was there was pressure there. Definitely. And and with those three players uh, particularly, you don't think that they're sort of very physical, but they just kind of manifest that physicality just by buzzing around and, uh, you know, being full of energy in and around players and darting in in front of the pass or, you know, behind and making sure that they're there for the second ball. Um, on comms in England, there was a lot of talk about how uh, Yelena was literally everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> because they just like spotted her on the right wing and then she'd come over and like close down on the left. 
and it it was just a really great kind of success story for her in terms of showing she can be a real protagonist in a game because we've seen uh so far this season a couple of times she has been really great from the start but overwhelmingly she's she's kind of had to play her way in from the bench and today again emma was challenging her to be that protagonist and i feel obviously with her goal and assist <laughs> she's come to the fore there and i'm really pleased for her um, Jess Fleming, obviously, after her huge pressure moment um, coming off the bench against Leon and scoring pretty much, you know, fresh. She didn't really have much of the ball in, in extra time. She took that massive penalty and, you know, it felt like Canada in the Olympics where she just step up and be like, I'm absolutely fine with this. I'm doing it. And again, today, she really imposed herself. And there's something about seeing Jess Fleming like coming to the fore and really showing the player she can be that's really like, it feels really great to see her do that. I'm really happy for her. Um, in terms of JLK, yeah, again, it's that kind of one-on-one -on -one aspect that we really like to see. It's that confidence we want her to to show because uh, we know she has it one-on-one. -on -one. And again, that link up with Chankovic was really great. Balls around the corner, the one-twos. There were some lovely, lovely moves in the first half that deserve goals. Um, but yeah. I think in general, those three can be really, really happy with their nights out. And it's, it's really, I mean, just to your point on goals, right? Like Chelsea, very unlucky to not have scored six in this game. I mean, just to be completely fair about it. Like there were a few moves where you expect girl Wrighton to score on the one that she skied over. Sam hits the crossbar. And there was another one that is in my brain that I missed. Maybe it was another Shankovic opportunity, but it, like this, this team was running rampant in the first half, and to only be up two nil at halftime, you were like, "Wow, that that does not feel like what it should actually be right now." So, yeah, just a, a quick call out on that. Yeah, and I think that those missing early opportunities was was maybe a point for me where I was like, "Oh, is this going to be one of those games where when we were only one nil up?" Because you know, I think it's really important to emphasize when we are talking about this game and Nick, with what you said earlier about being like this, this maybe was one of our best performances of the season is that Villa are no slouches. And we saw that in some of the opportunities they created. And I think in terms of maybe them giving the ball away, how they want to play, they, I think they've decided that the, the benefits against maybe lower down teams is worth kind of the playing it out from the back and and then when we brought a level of intensity that maybe they didn't expect from us Ollie because part of what I thought was so impressive about this performance and I didn't know which way it was going to go because obviously Thursday night was just an absolutely incredible incredible moment for the team but it was on Thursday like mm -hmm. they've had no time at all and to turn up with this level of intensity, I didn't expect it. So in some ways, no wonder Villa didn't expect it, right? Definitely. I mean, uh, Guru um, on uh, in her interview afterwards said that they only had like 30 minutes training, um, which is wild if you think about it, right? They had like a day off and then they had 30 minutes training. And it was more about kind of talking through the processes and, you know, executing on that. So no wonder... Carla Ward had like, you know, consternation with her assistant coaches around her being like, where did this come from? <laughs> Where's this intensity just from the start? Because they had to kind of stop playing out from the back at, at times 
which is their whole game plan. And that's like massive disruption for Villa. And they've been on this kind of run of just being like, you can, we can come back from anything. We get like the most points from like losing positions in the WSL outside the top four. And it's like, look, you know, this is how we play. So to force them to completely change their pattern of play was really huge. And I think they didn't really have an answer for it. Like, you know, that they kept trying to find uh, Ken Zadali and Rachel Daly and it just wasn't there. Like, we were just shutting them down and to call out someone who's come for come in for a bit of stick recently even after thursday in terms of magda i thought she was really solid today i thought she really stepped up today when we needed her and this is the sort of performance i want to see from magda right until the end of the season because this is exactly what we want from magda just like leadership no kind of nervousness on the ball just show your quality and like make yourself make yourself like physically felt by the opposition right because daily is a very hard customer to play against and i think we kind of dealt with it very very well like there are only two or three instances i can think of off the top of my head where she lost her marker and gave us real problems but then zatura dealt with that so yeah i think it was a pretty flawless performance to be honest in in many aspects you know going on what we've come into this game <laughs> off the back of and that kind of emotional exertion, it was just like more of the same. As you say, like late stage season Chelsea, this is when we kick into gear. And Guru put it perfectly off the game. She was like, we've been here so many times. Like uh, she's been here for four years and it's like one point difference. It's all in our hands. We know what we need to do. That, that's exactly the point. You don't need to train for three hours if you've been doing this for a long time, you know? And in fact, like that shows me that Emma has full control of what's going on here. Like you, you get through that absolutely absurd one in a million sort of result on Thursday where be frank, you didn't play that well. And you still got away with it. And, you know, the emotion, the elation, everything that goes with, you know, that sort of result in the Champions League, which Chelsea fans are are more than accustomed to uh, across the board. And then it's, you know, everyone telling you that you're in for a really tough game on Sunday. And then Emma going, I don't know, I think we I think we'll just kick the ball around for 30 minutes and then go absolutely sandblast them. And like that was what happened straight away. You mentioned Carla Ward and and kind of the the conversations had with her assistants, like looking around at at the players too. I mean, Alicia Lehman didn't really know where to be on the pitch, and I think that is indicative of the way Chelsea were playing. You know, we we know uh, Jesse that when Chelsea have struggled this year, it's because other teams are pressing us and, and pressing us into bad decisions. Villa were not able to do any of that today. And in fact, they sat off, which is just allowing Sam Kerr and Girl Wrighton to have time and space on the ball. Best of luck. Yeah, and I think something that was interesting from us was that we pressed and we took the game to Villa. And I don't know if this is maybe just because, like, we've had a crazy run of games against very, very good teams. And... The decisions we've made in terms of maybe sitting off teams like Arsenal, like United, like City, has made sense. Maybe I've just forgotten what it looks like to play a team who, as good as Villa have been, are obviously not at the level of some of those other teams. 
But I just felt like it had been so long since I'd seen us go in for the kill in that way. And I think that's what made me feel so good about this performance was that I was like, this is what I expect of this Chelsea team. The high turnovers, the counterattacks, the being able to overload certain areas of the pitch and find advantages there, quick passing, getting that one player into space, doesn't matter who it is, and they're going to have a free shot of goal. And that's why it felt like we could have scored five or six. Because so so many times, okay, predominantly Guru and Sam in this case, but players had free shots on goal because of how we'd worked the ball and the numerical advantages we had. And I guess what feels so surprising about that, Ollie, is that we are right at the end of a long run of games where we've seen this kind of tactic. Do you think this is maybe an... Do you think this is because it's just Villa? Or is this maybe a reflection on how we've played over the past games and saying, no, we need to go more front foot. I know you're tired, but like this is the end of a tough run. This is where you find that last little bit. Yeah, I I do. I do actually think that. I think it's... I think a lot of the last kind of couple of months has been about preservation. We've spoken so much about injuries and rotation and how tough the fixture list has been. And now it's about executing a plan, right? It's all about executing the plan. It, the, you know, the league is in our hands again. We're a point off the lead. We've got a game in hand. It's all about we are Chelsea and this is how you win a league. And we've, you know, you've done it time and time again. Go back to all the old points where you've achieved that success. Show your dominance from the start. Press from the front. Be ruthless when you need to be. And really show that, like, you know, you can't boss <laughs> Chelsea around unless we allow you to, right? I mean, we're, we're at a level in, in terms of Chelsea women that there are very few teams in Europe who should be allowed who should be dominant against us right i would count leon and you know maybe barcelona in that kind of category yeah <laughs> where, where, where we may need to sit off and allow them to play and not press in the front but in the vast majority of games we play in we can play this way and i do think it's about having the right personnel for these occasions right and you know nick I'd, I'd say, to be honest, that it was down to that kind of personnel today, having that kind of pace in wide areas and that energy, having a lot of them not played uh, in midweek in the wide areas and up front, that we could actually execute this plan and <laughs> and disrupt and have those overloads, as Jesse was saying, by winning it high at the pitch, right? I don't think we could have done it without the five changes. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to throw this back to you, Jesse, you know, given the success that we saw in pressing today, is this something that you see Emma deploying more? I mean, I don't I don't think this will be the style that we see every single match through the end of the year. But do you think this is something that will strategically deploy a little bit more than we have? Because it's been a very sit back counterattack type of season for Chelsea, which is wouldn't say unusual, but it's been a little frustrating, frankly, because we have so many good players who are good on the ball and who can own possession in matches. And we've seen that kind of fluctuate throughout the season, going from like 60% possession to 
37% possession in one game. And like, that's just seems odd for a team with this much talent, but is that something you think we're going to do more as press? When you watch Chelsea this season, it's been clear that there has been an attempt to play more possession football, I think, you know, and I think there's also been maybe a recognition. Well, there has been a recognition. Emma Hayes has basically said it as much that she doesn't think we're very good at doing it. Now that might be because I don't think that's Emma's forte. She kind of implied that maybe everyone's just a bit tired and isn't really there to kind of play out from the back, blah, blah. She wants to play it long. What I thought was interesting about the approach tonight is if you were to ask me how you go at Barcelona, it would be not to sit back. It would be you just go for it because you have to go for it. And what I always think about Emma is that you see the seeds of what she wants to do in future games in the previous ones. So you look at the Manchester United performance and you see the performances against Lyon. And lots of the time, there are ideas, and okay, they they benefit in those individual games. You know, the Manchester United approach, sure, it worked. But we've also, in recent years, smashed United by pressing them. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily something about United, in my opinion. I felt like it was about how we wanted to play against Lyon. And watching the way we played against Villa tonight made me think, okay, this is another gear shift because, let's be real, we all know that at this point, the Barcelona games are the things that are going to be priority. Like, let's not be about about the bush. Emma doesn't care. Well, it's not she doesn't care. Emma will prioritise the Barcelona games over everything else. I totally agree with that. I would do the same. And and that's what I think was interesting and about the way we played tonight. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of it, right? I think you have to figure out, especially against Barcelona, who are so good on the ball, right? Do you have the athletes? Do you have the discipline to do that over two legs or for periods of, of the of the matches and not get fucking sliced open? Like that is your if if you're going to gamble, you got to gamble responsibly. Right. <laughs> and to me, I think that is the, like, I think you could do it against West Ham and Leicester. No problem. Like you could do it with me out there against West Ham. You'd be fine. But I, I mean, I, I think that is the real test now for Emma, right? You survived Leon at barely Barcelona is a whole other proposition in my eyes. I like the idea of it because I like being on the front foot and I like making damn sure, especially as you get later into games, that no, you're not just going to box us in to an untenable position. Like I like the idea of making someone play through the midfield and have to really work at it because I think that gets frustrating over time. But are they... Do we have the discipline in the team to do it effectively is is the main question. I don't know, Ollie. Yeah, I, I, to Jesse's point, I think it's a really interesting point, right? I, I think you also have to think, are we at our best when we sit off as a team? Like, are we are we fundamentally limiting ourselves, you know, as a force by sitting off and not being a disrupting force? Because there, there's types of disruption, right? There's... There's complete like gung ho, go for it, like press 
right. like you know manically against the Barcelona team who can very easily play out from the back. Or there's targeted pressing where you target certain players who may be slightly less good on the ball, <laughs> you know, based on the the kind of universal approach, and you target them in a kind of systemic way, and then that becomes your your kind of basis of threat right so that's where the turnover happens that's where the disruption happens and i think that's what emma's looking at not kind of a massively passive you know sit off because i think that would be completely self-defeating but not a kind of also gung-ho like we press from the front all the time but there were moments today where i think chelsea women are at their best which is where like a jesse fleming or a chenkovic is absolutely like harassing whoever is on the ball, not allowing them to turn, not allowing them to flick it around the corner, making sure that they close down those angles, we win it, then we're in, right? That's yeah. that's the kind of threat you're going to have to ruthlessly execute against a Barcelona. And I think that's what's so interesting. And I think also that that's why Emma doesn't take it game by game. And I think that's why game by game is kind of a fallacy. <laughs> you always have to look ahead at least one or two games. And I think that's what the beauty of what Emma does is she's always thinking for the game and what how we can win it. But the, the beauty of the WSL is we are already so dominant in the league that we can look ahead and sort of foretell those ideas now and still win. I could be wrong, Jesse. I think the performance against City is the thing that probably concerned her the most to, because it just wasn't wasn't really threatening. I think when you turn the ball over against Chelsea in the final third, like we saw multiple times today, we, we ended up getting one or two goals off of it. I can't remember. Um, if you had put Girl right in Sam Kerr, some combination of Lauren James, Chankovic, knock on wood, Frank Kirby at some point back in the team with time and space in front of goal or one-on-one in on goal, I think for a team that may be without Millie Bright and may not be the most defensively sound we've ever seen, even though the stats would tell you we're doing really well, um, that gives you a really good chance to win. I think if it comes a scoring contest, we can score with the best of them. If it becomes a scoring time contest and you get Sam Curry in on goal one-on-one multiple times with a goalkeeper because you've pressed the ball, you're probably going to win. So I, I think tactically it makes sense to me. Yeah, and I think actually that's been the concern, right? In, in the City game especially, and, and maybe in the United game to an extent as well, is that when Chelsea set off, that there was no opportunity to get the ball to those players. And for me, Emma Hayes' Chelsea has never been a defensive team. Mm-hmm. That's why they're so fun to watch, you yeah. know? They score because goals. It, it will be it will be we will outscore you. We don't care if we concede first. We don't care if we concede two or three. We believe we will just score more than you. And actually the the worst performances in this period of time has been in Conti Cup final, City game, where there was this sense of, you know, even Lille, to be honest, this sense of that once we conceded that was it. And I was like, what? This is so un antithetical to what I think of this Chelsea team as being. And tonight was, I guess, an example of 
Villa had their opportunities, but even mm-hmm. if Villa scored, I never felt tonight that we wouldn't score more because of what we were creating going forward. And that was something that I felt like we actually hadn't seen for a long, long time. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick ad break here and then we need to come back and give some notable mentions to people called Sam Kerr as well as others. We haven't really gone into the goals tonight, Ollie, specifically, but if we had to talk about one, it has to be Sam Kerr's. 50 goals for her in the WSL in 62 appearances. She's not quite the fastest to do it. Uh, someone called Viv Miedemar did it in 50, apparently. Um, Who is that? She... Anyone of <laughs> note? I don't know. No, no. No. No, one, no one ever talked about her ever again. Um, so it was like, it was a really funny goal from Sam. She had so many better opportunities to score. But of course, it wouldn't be Sam Kerr at Chelsea if she didn't take the hardest one to get to this master. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a really tough chance, right? She she took it down, you know, far uh, left-hand side of the box, cut inside, and just with a nice little uh, toe poke into the, into the far corner and then proceeded to celebrate by pointing at her <laughs> right toe in front of everyone and everyone got the joke. Apparently in, in training, she's been uh, talking about <laughs> trying one of these for weeks according to Guru. So yeah, it's uh, glad to see it finally came off. But yeah, I mean, Sam just feels inevitable, right? I mean, there are so many, there have been so many games where like her finishing hasn't been up to the standard that you expect from from Sam. Uh, you know, you think back to Leon and even today when she was through one-on-one and uh, she hit the keeper, but, you know, she always has a goal in her. Sam, Co- Sam Kerr is goals, right? <laughs> and she lives for them and she's obsessed with them and that's why we love her. Um, but yeah, I, I think, yeah, it was a lovely, it was a lovely moment. Uh, and it put a nice kind of bow on the game as well. I mean, at three nil, it's like, yeah, this is perfect, exactly what you wanted. And it felt like it was a time when it was just to kill the game, really like two nil, we looked very comfortable, but Villa started a little bit better than us. And then getting that third was like, yeah, we're, we're sorted here. Yeah, done and dusted on 60 minutes and you just kind of run around the rest of the time. Um, you know, it's it's an incredible achievement. She's been absolutely everything that we thought she would be in more. Um, I implore her in one-on-ones to just roll the ball by the goalkeeper instead of trying to hit it at her face. Um, maybe that would be the way forward, just a little nice roll. Um, but yeah, I mean, also, if that's her toe poke sort of goal, like that was a laser. <laughs> I mean, it hit the side net with force. That was not like a little chip or dink. Like that was a, a very uh, well-struck ball. So uh, if that works for every goal, let's do it straight away. I like that she's rubbish at one-on-ones because I feel like it make, that's what makes her a true superhero. You know, every hero, when we, we look, they have their flaws. And that's almost why we love them because it makes them human. And Sam Kerr in 1v1s is... <laughs> That's what makes her human. Uh, I think what really touched me as well was um, obviously Guru in her player of the match interview and and Emma as well after the game was asked about this, understandably. But both of them just really went to lengths to talk about not only her her on-pitch influence and the goals she scored, but also how important she is off the pitch, how important 
a member of the the team she is and and look you know you expect that from professionals but I think when we've seen what Chelsea have looked like in the absence of Beth England having having sold her only having Kerr as as their striker to play <laughs> as their only option she's played an incredible number of minutes um she looks exhausted I can't lie I really I I know I know she'll play non-stop for Australia in the international break as well the only good thing is they're not leaving England so there won't be any jet lag uh, to that? deal with <laughs> um, but yeah I think she's just every time she reaches a record I feel like I say this but I feel like it's important to keep saying it. It's like we're so lucky as a team to have someone who's obviously such an amazing influence at Cobham as well as on the pitch and I think brings a lot of lightness and joy to the team. And um, I've, I've spoken to a couple of people recently about how nice this Chelsea team is in the best way. I mean, ruthless. You know, maybe Gura Wrighton's the best example of that. You know, the baby face and then the anger when she finally scores a goal. And she said, I looked angry because I missed the first couple of chances, but... Sometimes when teams go through hard times, and there there have been hard times this month, Nick, well, like, I guess March into April, there have been hard times, but it feels like Emma Hayes said this, right? Greatness comes through struggle. That really feels like what what sums up this team. Yeah, I mean, having her, even, you know, with her with her flaws, which are not many, just has to put the fear of God in everybody else. I mean, I think having someone like that who's willing to make every single run that a person can make at that position in a match, I mean, she is flying up the pitch, always. She's getting her head on balls to hold up play. She's making the right pass. She's on the shoulder of a central defender at every single moment that she can be on a shoulder. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I too am worried about the workload. I think this is an area, you know, as we as we look toward the offseason that we you know need some depth in. It's a real gamble to not have Beth England right now to do that. And I know we're all happy for Beth that she's playing a lot, but man, yeah, it's just I I don't think she needs to train so we can take training off of the menu, but I think if we can get every ounce of her goodness through the end of the season, there will be trophies because she will have scored important goals for Chelsea football club. And she might have even scored the most important goal for Chelsea football club. So let's see, but I'm, I'm really, really impressed with how the season's gone. It's obviously not been her easiest season. I think she scored for fun uh, in different ways before this Ollie, but uh, yeah, I think this is one of those moments where hopefully she, she gets into a, you know, two game, a goal or two goal game scoring situation yeah no, absolutely i mean uh, when you think how sam came in and you know under that kind of massive pressure you know, massive massive pressure and you remember the kind of behind the scenes stuff you know we've, we've seen in the documentaries about how she was kind of uncertain about it and you know that kind of pressure and then the instant buy-in that she got from everyone around her and how she felt that kind of chelsea family and you see now she's you know like one of the real leaders here like you know, just undeniably one of the real leaders. And she shows it on the pitch, but also off the pitch. Like there's all, there's this like massive camaraderie and there is no one I would rather be celebrating a Champions League win with 
than Samka. <laughs> so I hope we get to see that. Be an indescribable amount of beer, Solly. Indescribable. And that's all I really want from a Champions League <laughs> win is an indescribable amount of beers. Um, I just want to touch as well on on some of the partnerships, Ollie, that that you actually were mentioning to me during the game. Um, Kadisha Buchanan and Jess Carter been playing not necessarily next to each other, but in the same back line together a bit more. And I think obviously game state maybe dictated how Villa grew into the game. Well, they they did have good opportunities early on as well, but. Those two were, were two players who seem to be looking quite good uh, to be playing next to each other. Definitely. And, you know, you touched on it. They don't play the same positions at all. You know, we've seen Jess right back, left back, right wing back, left wing back, centre back. Uh, we've seen Kadisha both sides. But when they've played on the same side together, there's been a real kind of telepathic understanding in terms of who takes who, you know, who allows the ball behind them you know, who blocks off the runner, that's always been there. And uh, that's very interesting to me because, you know, for the first part of the season, we weren't seeing Jess at all, right? <laughs> so it was one of the kind of very strange things that we touched on a few weeks ago that, you know, Jess Carter hasn't really done anything wrong when she's come into the team. And lo and behold, when she's getting a good run of game, she's become a key player for us, like wherever she is in the back line. So to me, it's just a case of two very, very good players and very good defensive players just being completely attuned with each other from the off and you can see that kind of chemistry has been there almost instantaneously and we saw it today with you know dealing with uh Dali and Daly and that kind of the through balls that they were cutting out but also just knowing that when Kadisha was going wide Jesse would drop inside and that was the kind of just very simple things but knowing that they would cover each other. And there's been so many occasions in the kind of more tumultuous times through March <laughs> that we weren't seeing that. Like we weren't seeing uh, a defender go out and then someone else covering behind. And we were seeing that real issue with the offside trap. And it just seems to have kind of dissipated. And maybe that's to do with Magda stepping up as well. But to me, Kadisha and Jess is a really promising partnership there. I think we really need to foster it. I am super, super, super happy that Jess Carter is playing for us. I I mean, she's had to be very patient this year. I think we've talked about that multiple times on this show that, you know, didn't really feature for the first half of the season, um, which is shocking to think about now that she's starting crucial Champions League games and is playing so well at multiple different positions in the team. She's she's the ultimate utility resource uh to have and the fact that she's finally getting a few flowers is is you know a good thing i know that you know her performances last year were an indication that this is where she could go but i think her one-on-one defending there were multiple times today where she just very casually ushered a villa player off the ball turned and moved the ball at field didn't punt it didn't you know do something silly with it but it seems so in control of her play jesse that you know it's a, it's shown a lot of maturity and I think if you looked at the Jess Carter of two years ago where we weren't sure is this player going to make it or not to where she is now, it's a, it's a big 180. Yeah, I feel like obviously Thursday night was a big night for a lot of players. But I mm. think for Jess Carter, there was something very fascinating about it in terms of it being 
nine years since she'd gone to her first Champions League semi-final when she was at Birmingham when we beat Arsenal. Uh, and she was 16 at the time and it was her real breakout performance. And then to score the winning penalty, for me that just felt like it really solidified who she'd become. You know, that she had this period where she was the wunderkind and no one could believe how good she was when she made her debut in those really important matches for Birmingham. And obviously there was a long period of time where the move to Chelsea didn't look quite right. Last season looked like it was going to be a breakout. Then it didn't, re- you know, then it didn't really continue this season. But again, there's always injuries, and it's about how and who steps up in those moments. And once again, you know, Millie looks like she might not play for a bit. There's a there's a space in that back line, and I think Jess is what I really like about Chelsea. To be fair, is that. Chelsea buy and develop players who can do it all. And sometimes that's that can be a hindrance. We've seen it with Aaron, we've seen it with Neve, we've seen it with Jess. But then when it matters, sometimes you see that really come to fruition. And I think that's what we're getting right now with Jess. A player who can play in every position across the back four, who is good 1v1, who looks good going forward, who can play the pass, who's feeling confident on the ball. She can do dead balls. She looks good in the air, attacking and defending. I'm like, okay, it took some time, but we now have a 25-year-old defender who can play in every position across the back line and doesn't look out of place in one of the best teams in Europe. Who gets consistently called up for an England team that's one of the best in the world, even if she's not got minutes for Chelsea, because that's how good Serena Wiegmann thinks she is. And that's huge. And that's credit to to Chelsea, Ollie, as as much as anything else, right? That's credit to the the coaching staff in terms of talent ID, in terms of helping a player get there, in terms of supporting someone even when they're not playing minutes. Absolutely. And, you know, we had that moment, you know, as Nick Nick touched on a couple of years ago when it was like, we know her quality, right? But she needs to nail down her place in the squad, not necessarily her place in the team, because we know how many positions she can play, but her place in the squad, like what is she at Chelsea Football Club, right? And I feel like Leon, as you touched on, was that full circle moment where it's like she is the dependable asset in a variety of positions. When your chips are down, when you have those massive injuries at the back, when you need someone to execute a job against one of the best teams in, in world football, you can trust her now that that is where she is that's her level now and I think that's why you know Serena puts so much trust in her to bring to bring her to an England camp where you know that is one of the best teams in in the world as well it's like I know what you can give me when I need you to and it's I really like that (laughs) about about Jess her resilience like you saw it in the kind of behind the scenes stuff but you, you can just get a sense of it just by kind of seeing her and and how she speaks and how she conducts herself she she knows she has it as well there is that inner self-belief but now we're seeing it week in week out we she trusts herself on the ball there's that assurance she's always had the the technique on the ball and the talent to execute but there's that assurance that no no this is my ball you're not getting it and i'm going to give it to the person i want and i'm playing at this level and i deserve to be here 
and no one's going to take this away from me. And I really like that Jess is kind of embodying the player that we essentially knew she become she could become, but we're sort of worried she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't going to get there. And yes, there is massive credit, obviously, to Emma and the backroom staff, but also there's a huge slice of credit to Jess herself just for stepping into that and like embodying that, you know? She's she's about to get a lot of uh, team's best shots too. I mean, we, we talked about this early in the pod. This is now winning time, you know, April, May. Everyone has something to play for. Everyone has something to, to prove. And, you know, we don't have a whole lot of uh, light competition coming up. <laughs> I mean, March was a bruiser. April's going to be incredibly difficult, albeit less matches. And May's when everything gets settled. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I hope, you know, especially if, and knock on wood, that Millie's injury is not season-ending. Um, but if Millie's out, you know, Kadisha and or Magda are going to need help. And whether that be in, in the form of them being spelled by Jess as a center back for a little bit or just by her play on either side of that of that four, uh, Jesse, I think this is an incredibly useful player that can do a lot of different jobs, but in particular can do a one-on-one -on -one defending job that is going to be required for Chelsea to be able to win the ball back and advance the ball up the field for Sam Kerr, Guro, all these other players to score. Yeah, and if there were two players who I were going to pick out in terms of the Chelsea-Barcelona rematch, it would probably be Neve Charles and Jess Carter in terms of two players who got totally destroyed, basically, in that Champions League final. And I think two players who, at the time, maybe people would be surprised to see them so firmly still in the, the Chelsea picture. Not even firmly, you know, two of the key performers... In, in Chelsea reaching a semi-final this year in the Champions League. And I think that's something that's been really impressive from, from Jess and, and from Neve. You know, there is just kind of a relentlessness in terms of mentality that even when they make mistakes and stuff doesn't go their way, they carry on going. And actually, who it reminds me of the most, I think from both of them, is Emily Bright. Because it's easy to forget that Millie didn't play with the level of assurance and confidence that she has now until a year, a year and a half ago, I'd say. I think that, that a year to two years is the time that I've seen Millie iron out the mistakes in her game. And she's 28, 29. So we have players who are younger than that who I feel like are on a very, very similar trajectory. Um, but we are obviously wrapping up this absolutely mental month um okay we're technically in april now but it's been a whole chunk of games obviously that's run us through up to the international break i guess just to finish off today ollie i'd i'd like to reflect a little bit are we broadly happy with how it all played out okay we didn't get everything we wanted but if i had asked you at the start of march this is where we'd be now would you have taken it Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, obviously we want to win every competition we're in. Um, and the Conzi Cup was, was a blip in that respect. But we had that last year as well. And it served as motivation for the run-in, right? And I feel like Emma is going to 
nail that again. Um, and now we've beaten Leon. I feel like the players can have that self belief to do whatever they want, right? <laughs> they have they have beaten the record Champions League holders. Why should any opponent standing in their way not fear them, right? And I think that's the kind of motivation and psychology we should be heading into the run and with. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Obviously, it was not phenomenal to be there to watch the Conti Cup final in person. But um, after a few uh, consolatory beers, we uh, we got through that one. Um, my, I guess my hope is that with this team, that they come back from the international break. So this is our last international break for the end of the season, right? That they come back from this international break with a level of focus that is not to be fucked with. Um, it's basically everyone zoned in through the end of the season. Obviously we know there are a couple of huge, ma- huge matches coming up that we'll touch on in a second, but I, I think this team is capable of greatness and I just hope that they maximize the opportunity that is in front of them. And that's it. There's nothing else to do, but to win it now. So let's do it. Love that. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Okay, down of the match to finish off. Um, I guess kind of two down of the matches because Nick's been out getting votes for his player of the year already. Um, So maybe... Just doing a quick touch base, really, that's all. A little quick touch base. Uh, For me, the the standout from this game was was Yelena. Um, Just in terms of... She's a, a player who I think, you know, Emma Hayes referenced this after the game, who's maybe not had the best of luck in terms of her first season at the club, in terms of injuries, illness, all of that kind of stuff, not getting the minutes maybe she wanted, even though injuries to other players would would maybe suggest she should have got more. But Ollie, I, I, I know you like her a lot as well. I feel like every time I see her play, she just creates chances. Yeah, she's so exciting. Um and in a way that we kind of have rarely seen from signings that have come in. And I, I I don't think it's a disservice to her to to talk about names like, you know, Fran and G in terms of that kind of bracket of really exciting creative forwards that we seem to have a lot of luck in terms of buying in. <laughs> like we don't seem to do much wrong in that regard and in, in terms of that area of the pitch. Um but yeah, when when she when she's on form, she's just sparkling, and she's going to grow in to this this role and this league, and really show that kind of more confident side of her more. And what's so impressive is her defensive work rate from the front as well. You know, we were touching on her and Jesse Fleming leading from the front with that press, but yeah, like Yelena gives you that extra kind of grit and determination as well as like you know whatever the kind of Rabona touches and like <laughs> wild flicks that she tries at least once or twice a game. And that's great. That's exactly what you want as as a fan. And yeah, I, I just think it's so positive going forward with her. And I just hope she gets more minutes and that transfers into more performances. Nick, who are you going for? Girl, I absolutely adore everything that she's doing on the field. I, I think, honest to God, you know, it's part of why I put my scientific-ish poll out. It's I think it's impossible to really pick who our player of the season is, but if you were to ask me, gun to my head right now, who it is, 
It's Goro. I, I, like her passing range is stupid. Uh, her finishing ability is phenomenal. She just finds the right space to be in. And she's also just started taking people on one-on-one more. And, you know, at the end of last season, this is this became like a staple of her game. I remember watching the United game at home, Jesse, and we, we were just looking at some of like the absolute sauce that she was putting out there. That sort of one-on-one break a defense down sort of ability can just free everyone else up to do what they do. And I don't know. I'm I'm looking at her right now and I'm going, you are reaching the peak of your powers and it's frightening. <laughs> so uh that that was that was the that was the whole reason for my poll. I, I did list four options, um because that's what Twitter allows me to do. And as we know, Twitter is uh, a very interesting platform right now with their functionality. But um, I listed Guru, Lauren James, Aaron Cuthbert, and Sam Kerr. I think those are the four if I had to pick. I don't know if you guys feel like I'm discrediting anyone in this mix, but that was my intention. Yeah. No, I mean, I think I think it has to be. I, I in your unscientific poll, voted for Guru. Sorry, scientific-ish. Scientific-ish. I didn't mean to suggest it was unscientific. There's methodology, uh, okay. <laughs> hey, I've got a master's in sociology, all right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I would have voted for Guru as well. I just think in terms of everything showing up when the chips have been down, the levels of goals she scored, the level of responsibility she's taken within the team this season has been really impressive to see. Um, what I loved in this game as well. I mean, I wasn't always sure it was the best tactic, but was just like, Guru is the nine, Sam is the <laughs> left wing. Yeah. And then it was like, Neve Charles to defend the, that whole side. <laughs> um, I think we got away with that one a bit, but yep. I, I kind of, there was a, you know, genesis of an idea there. Maybe one, again, you know, part of Emma's drafts for, for future matches in terms of how exactly that worked out. But um yeah, I think I think she's quite clearly had her best season in a Chelsea shirt, not only in terms of assists. I mean, I think she's been stuck on nine for about half the season at this point, uh, but six goals in 10 games. You know, she's not a player we normally look to in terms of scoring, um, but she's really coming through now, Ollie. And I guess that's what you want, right? That's that's what that is what we expect from this team. But you don't always know if it's going to come through, but you know, in seasons where maybe Sam hasn't scored the buckets of goals you expect from her, you need someone else to step up. And it's kind of incredible that we're in a position where, okay, Sam's been great, but she hasn't scored as much. Peniel has been out. Fran's been out, but suddenly someone else just steps up and kind of shoulders the burden instead. Yeah. I mean, again, it's credit to the team, right? It's credit to the squad. It's credit to Emma and, you know, Gura has really stepped up into what feels like a kind of minor leadership position again. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we touched on it a few weeks ago when uh, she was taking take a penalty even when Marin's on the field because she's in that she's in that kind of place now where she's just trustworthy in front of goal. Like I would I would even say at this point, maybe she's more ruthless in front of goal than Sam Kerr, which sounds ludicrous to say, but it feels like. Efficiency wise, good opportunity. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Like today, just perfection in the finish. Oh. Like absolute perfection. Drill at half volley, the ball bounced up. It's literally in the corner. It's unsavable. 
And then obviously the patented Guru Raw, which we are becoming more and more, you know. Not one men's player could have finished that goal. <laughs> not not one. I'm serious. Like, and that's not me putting them down in ten. I mean, that is like a pinpoint off the bottom corner of the post and in it would have taken an extendo arm for a goalkeeper to to make that save. And you know, she was pissed that she missed the first one, so she came back and nailed that one. And that was that was the ball game. I mean, so I, she she is leading my scientific ish poll by by a huge margin, which I was kind of pleasantly surprised uh, by. But sixty two percent, Lauren on seventeen, almost eighteen percent, Sam on thirteen, almost fourteen percent, and Aaron uh, kind of trailing behind because she has the least sexy job of that entire crew on almost seven percent, but. Anyone who knows me knows how much I absolutely love Aaron Cuthbert and what she's been doing this season. You don't win against Leon without her. So to, to Jesse's point, I was going to say that after the game, Guru was like, for some reason, I was at nine. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not sure it was a tactical. Whoopsie Daisy. Yeah, for the, for her goal, she was like, for some reason, it was I was at nine. I couldn't decide whether to shoot or pass, uh, but she did it and very, very successfully. <laughs> Well, in that case, she must have been ball watching. Otherwise, I spy a plan uh, there. Also, Nick, I'm not sure. Maybe you're just more of an influence than you think because part of the reason why your poll is so scientific is you revealed your biases in the tweet about it. So maybe everyone was just voting Guru to impress you. Um, impossible to say. We'll see at the end of the season, it's, I guess. It's rare for people on Twitter to tell me that I'm right. So <laughs> That's I'll, true. That's true. I'll, uh, I'll take this one, sure. <laughs> okay, so... That basically wraps us up for today. Elsewhere in the league, the big game was Arsenal coming from 1-0 down to beat Man City 2-1. But as Guru said after the game, I'm just glad they couldn't both get three points. Um, West Ham drew 0-0 with Liverpool. Leicester beat Reading 2-1. Everton beat Spurs 2-1. And United won 4-0 at Brighton. So that leaves us in the table second. United are top. 17 games played with 41 points. We are second with 16 games played and 40 points. Arsenal just below us on 38 points, same number of games played. City below them, well, equal with them, but below on goal difference, 17 games played there. So it's very, very tight, but it's done Chelsea's hands, win everything to the end of the season, and we win the league. Um, We are off on an international break now. When we come back, guess who we play? It's Aston Villa at the Poundland Bescott Stadium in the FA Cup semi-final before we host Barcelona at Stamford Bridge at the very early time at 12.30. I'm just glad I don't have to run a marathon during that game. I get to run the marathon the next day. Um, But if you are in and around England, London, Europe, the world, make sure you get a ticket to Stamford Bridge. It's hopefully going to be an amazing, amazing game. Uh, Obviously, the second leg the week after that. So... Ollie, Nick, thank you very much for joining me on uh, a busy, busy night to be covering Chelsea, to be sporting Chelsea. But hey, when is it not a busy night? So look, we should be used to it by now. It's a, it's a classic three pod day where only one of the pods for the men's team counts and we'll do another one soon. So yeah, uh, no, I mean, huge credit to Emma, the entire team for for this week. I mean, has to just be a roller coaster of emotion to go through. But I absolutely love the just trademark blowout win to kind of cap it off, to use that momentum in the best way possible. It's a sign of a real coach right there. 
Yeah, take it, take it on like this till the end of the season. In our hands, keep it that way until the last day. Absolutely. We love to wrap up this little bit of crazy month of fixtures uh, just like this with a nice easy win. We'll be with you though throughout the international break. Got some fun things planned. So until then, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>